0: Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Suzanne Harris, and my listeners get the secret story behind every book. Joining me today is Doris McKenzie, and she's here to talk about her wonderful children's book, Hugo the Lovable, Huggable Orangutan. Doris, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you today on Books on Air. Thank you, Suzanne. It's my
1: pleasure to be here.
0: I think I'd said this to you earlier, and I want our listeners to know this as well. Children's book authors just hold such a special place in my heart because I think anyone who can write a children's book is just amazing because you have to have an idea, and it has to be an idea that will catch children's attention, and then you have to write it in such a way that a child will be able to go into that book and be able to enjoy it and i think that's a very very special talent so thank you for writing hugo ah oh, well thank you very much for that nice kind comment well i'm always curious now writers have stories too and mm-hmm often there's a reason that they have become a writer. Either when they were young, they started writing stories, or they had to write an assignment for a school project, and a teacher or a professor saw some sort of spark, or they've read someone who influenced them, and they thought, I'd like to be a writer, and so they do it. Sometimes also there's a a major event, that will happen in an author's life and they feel like they are just compelled almost to share that event. So Mm -hmm. how did Doris McKenzie
1: decide to start writing? Well, that's a very good question. As a matter of fact, kind of recently I discovered some essays I had written years ago when I was 12 years old that my mother had kept and I I had not even, of course, remembered them and I found them somewhere in the basement and I was shocked to see uh, the way I wrote, and the teacher gave me A pluses and write, wrote very nice comments on it, and I was very surprised. I, Donald, did not remember that at all, and, um, going later on in life, I just, um, you mentioned authors. There was, I think it was Catherine Woolley who wrote Ginny books years ago. Jenny, Ginny or Jennifer, I can't remember, but I loved them, and I used to think to myself, I wish I could write like, like her, but never really thought about it too much. And then, um, In 2008, oh, before that, actually, I had written another story several years before that, and um, that I wanted to publish, too, but didn't get around to. But in 2008, I got the idea for Hugo, and it just came to me. It just flowed. I just thought of the idea of an orangutan and how empathetic they are and and seemingly so loving and probably most affectionate in the genus of, of apes, I would think. And I thought how nice it would be to have a friend like that, you know? And so I began to to flush it out and uh, write the story. And then as I began to write, it just seemed to flow. I had no difficulty really in thinking of ideas as it went along. It just seemed to flow from beginning to end. And when I had finished it, I really thought this is the book that I would like to get published or self-publish if need be, which is what I had to do. But that's how it started for me.
0: How interesting. It just makes me think that writer person has been sitting in your brain for all these years just mm-hmm. waiting. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. waiting to be set free. And all of a yeah. sudden, here came Hugo. Is, mm-hmm. is there a an... I mean, you and I talked about orangutans a few minutes ago before we started yes. talking. And I yes. love them, too. They're just... Mm-hmm. There's something about them and their faces and their little kids, their little baby orangutans with their little hair all sticking up. They're yes. just, I just adore them. And I, I will confess that I watch all of those zoo shows on Animal Planet. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Because it's just, I don't know, there's something about orangutans and the apes in general.
1: There let's, is.
0: Let's give our listeners an overview of the story. Behind Hugo.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, Hugo is a zoo creature living in a zoo, and um, he gives a lot of comfort to the zookeeper and all the other animals in the zoo because he's very sympathetic to them. When they have problems or uh, difficulties in their lives, they go to him, they talk to them about it, and he thinks about them. He actually thinks about it. He thinks and thinks and thinks. The more and then he knows exactly what to do. It's always the same conclusion. He stretches out his long arms and gives them a big, lovable hug. And that right away makes their problems and difficulties disappear just like that. And they love him for that. And um, so there are always school children to come to the zoo, you know, watching the animals, looking at the animals and visiting the zoo. And one day this young boy comes to the zoo, and the children all love Hugo, of course, and um, this little boy hands Hugo the peanut butter sandwich he's been eating. And in the meantime, I forgot to mention, Hugo loves peanuts. The zookeeper feeds him peanuts, and he could eat them all the day long. He loves them. So he takes the peanut butter sandwich from the little boy, and as soon as he eats it, he just loves it, and he wants more. He goes crazy, kind of. He he shakes his body, shakes his eyes, twirl around in his head, he, and he looks very funny. The children laugh at him. And uh, so th- at the end of the zoo visit, he thinks about it. He thinks to more, he wants to get more, and he thinks, how can he do it? And he sees the children getting back in the bus. He knows that's the that's the child. So he he just leaps over the fence and grabs the handle the handle at the back of the bus, and he's on his way because he knows he can get more from this little boy. When the and the school bus when it gets to the destination, I'll just tell it briefly. Um, the children see him there, and he the boy knows why he's there, and he takes him home with him, feeds him more sandwiches. Decides to take him to school with him. So he becomes part of the school classroom. Of course, the uh, teachers don't know that he's an orangutan, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> I love it. Puts a little baseball cap on him, you know, puts a t shirt on him. They don't know. <laughs> I love it. But, um, so anyway, and the children discover what a comfort he is, he is to them too, because they have problems too. And whenever they have a problem, he ha- he's so sympathetic. He stretches out his long arms and gives them a big, lovable hug, and, and their problems are gone. And they just love him. So, um, the uh, as, then following day or two, of course, the news gets around. Hugo's missing from the zoo, and there's a broadcast on TV, blaring on TV. And Tommy's parents don't know. The little boy don't know that he's uh, he's living there with with in their house with Tommy. He sneaks him in when he brings him home from the zoo. So, when they see the thing on TV the article I mean the um, interview with the zookeeper that Hugo was missing, they have no idea he 's in their house, <laughs> and so um, to make a long story short, they all see the interview on TV including, including Hugo, he watches it with Tommy and he begins to cry because the zookeeper's crying. he realizes he misses them too. Tommy takes one look at Hugo and and realizes he doesn 't belong here with him he, uh, he belongs with his family at the zoo. And he tells Hugo not to cry. It's the first time in his life Hugo has ever cried. Tommy t- touches out his arms, hugs him, and says to him, I will bring you back to the zoo in the morning. And Hugo understands that. In the morning, all the whole town has heard about it. Um, the children come to, to Tommy's house to get Hugo, and the parents don't even know he's there. I'll let that be a surprise to whoever's reading it what happens next. But they bring him back to the zoo, and it's a very happy ending. So um, it's a very cute story. It's all about love. And that's my whole objective. It's all about love, and my dedication in the book is a dedication to God. Actually, it's from 1 Corinthians 13:13, and it's um, and these three remain: faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, and I think everybody can agree that love is the strongest bond there is, and um, that's the message I want to convey. And I want everybody to feel that. So that's what my book is about.
0: You know, it strikes me, Doris, that I'm a former teacher. And so when when I think about books like Hugo, it makes me think about how many ways they could be used by either teachers in in school now or someone who's homeschooling and all the kids who have been home during all the COVID virus mess. Um, A book like Hugo could be used in several different ways. I love the idea that it's about an orangutan and I think right away, you could begin to either let the kids investigate all the, the animals and perhaps a zoo that's in your town, or mm-hmm. you could have them write a play about an orangutan themselves, or you could get them to do some kind of work around orangutans, like where do they live. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. could use Google Earth, and they could uh, figure out what countries they lived in and then find mm-hmm. out about that country. Y- you made my brain just set on fire when we, when we, mm-hmm. we were talking about you. Hugo, because mm-hmm. I thought even though it's a children's book, there are so many opportunities for parents, grandparents, guardians, even older siblings to bring up different aspects that are covered in the book, like mm-hmm. the, the dedication at the very beginning, like the mm-hmm. idea of hugging. Where, where did that come from? Why do we mm-hmm. hug each other? And Mm -hmm. I I don't know if you know this or not, but scientifically, this is exactly what happens to us. When we hug another person, we have Mm -hmm. a chemical reaction in our body that's a very positive chemical reaction. And so Hugo's doing a wonderful thing for people. I think this is just a great idea. I think it's a terrific book. Now, Thank you, the illustrations—we've got to talk about those because they are delightful. And mm-hmm. I just found out you are the artist. Tell me about the illustrations.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm really not an artist at all. But again, um, from the minute I thought about Hugo, the very first thing I did was draw him on a little piece of paper and um i knew that was my hugo right away the hugo i wanted to portray and i just began to get these ideas for the book they started to flow as i did uh write the book i was also illustrating it at the same time and so um i know they're they're not uh, professional but i feel that i've captured the essence of the book with these with these illustrations and uh expressions on the faces, and um, I don't know how I, I really don't don't know, Suzanne, how I did it, because I'm, like I said, I'm not an artist, but um, it just flowed, just like the book flowed from me, the words flowed with no problem, I had nothing, no blockages thinking, hmm, what should I do now, what should I put here, it just flowed, and so also did the illustrations, so that's all I could say about that.
0: Is there another book waiting to be written that's sitting there in your brain?
1: There are are several. I've written the follow-up to Hugo, and there are four other books. Um, I've written uh, two before Hugo, besides the one I mentioned earlier, and then uh, two more after. So, yes, I have a collection of books already waiting to go.
0: You've let the genie out of the bottle, Doris.
1: (laughs) 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 Thank you, Susan. They're all similar, too. They're similar in kind of in theme. It's all upbeat. It's all children's books and all geared to make them feel happy and feel good about themselves and um it's just it's just they just um happy books that's what i can say happiness uh to me next to love what's better than happiness right so Exactly. that's what it's all about you know and you know what
0: we need some happiness right now doris yes. we? we really do yes. And mm-hmm. I love hearing your enthusiasm and your passion and your excitement about what you've done because I, th- I think it's a terrific book, and I can't wait to hear about the other books. Now, I want our listeners to understand before we talk about where they can find the book that mm-hmm. you are donating the proceeds that you get from the sale of Hugo. Tell yes. me about that.
1: Yes, I'm donating the proceeds of Hugo to the blind and the deaf. And um, that's my passion right now, to do that. And um, if you want to know the story behind that, I could tell you, too. I, um, I was working at the local mall, and I was in the food court. I was having my lunch. And at the same time I was having my lunch, finishing my lunch, I was on the cell phone with my, my husband. And a man approached me at my table with a little sign that said, I am deaf, please give me five dollars. So so now this is my reaction, Suzanne, and and so I'll tell you very honestly this is what happened. So as I was on the phone with my husband, I reached into my bag and I fished around. I had five dollars. But instead of giving him five dollars, I gave him one dollar. Now I can continue my conversation without missing a beat and I watched him walk away. I watched him go to the next table and he went to the next table, there was a middle aged woman and man sitting there talking, having a conversation. He showed them his little his little sign And the woman shoot him away as though he were a fly like as though he were not even a person to be considered like go away and i saw that and i was totally shocked and immediately i realized what i had done was nothing better than what she nothing worse than what she or better than what she did i was just as bad as her and i was shocked at my own my own behavior i mean i could have put the phone down given man some you know um what is the word I can't think of the word right now, uh, respect, some respect. I didn't. I stayed on the phone with my husband, and um, and I gave him a dollar instead of five dollars, which I could have given him. And I was so ashamed of myself. I really was. And this, this is my human side. I mean, I'm not a saint by any means. And I just was so ashamed. So when that happened, it was actually a good thing in a way because I thought about it, and I thought, this poor man has to beg for money. He can't get a job like I could, or the other people that were there at the mall. He can't do that. He has to go around begging for money. And I've started to think about, which most of us take for granted, not even think too much about, what a horrible world to live in if we can't hear or see. Can you imagine? Can you imagine not being able to, even able to have any one of those senses and we take for granted so often? And I can't imagine either. I mean, the music we love to hear, are, are the voices of our loved ones, and, and the beautiful things in nature and our family, to be able to see and hear those, how awful. So in a way, I think that was a good thing that happened to me, because it, that solidified in my mind that this is what I want to do with Hugo, who is all about love. The money has to go to the blind and the deaf from this book, and... Um, The issue with that is, too, now, is that since I self-published, we discussed this earlier, I get pennies on a book. I get nothing for royalties. And so I'm hoping that a major publisher will will pick up the book, and then I can do an awful lot of good with the proceeds by donating them to the the blind and the deaf. So that's my story about why I did that.
0: Uh, You know, I'm so glad you shared that, Doris, because, you know, there are incidents that happens in our lives like that that all of a sudden – It sort of spins our head around a little bit and we think, wait a minute, Um, this is a whole different perspective and I'm having to look at things in a way that I'd never thought of before. And you are doing something about that change of perspective. So congratulations Mm -hmm. on having that revelation and reaching out and doing something. I hope that our, our listeners will pick up a copy of it and we're going to tell them where to find the book in just a moment, mm-hmm. but I think you have a poem that you also yes. would like to share with the listeners.
1: Yes, I did. I wrote a poem in the same year I wrote Hugo, 2008. I submitted it to a poetry contest they were having at the time. It was, um, uh, here's my paper here. It was the uh, International Library of Poetry that were sponsoring a poetry contest. And I wasn't, you know, I'm not a poet. But they liked it, and I got an Editor's Choice Award for the poem. And, in fact, they wanted to have it included in a, um, a, volu- a, a CD collection and have it spoken, because they said it's wonderfully expressive, and they wanted to be put it on a CD with 33 others. That, and they said they get thousands and thousands of poems, but they selected mine. But anyway, I, I don't want to brag about it too much, but this is my poem. It's kind of cute, and I will read it. And let me put it in front of me here. Oh, my goodness. It's okay. Relax. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Where is it now? Isn't this stupid? I had it right in front of me. Oh, here it is. I'm so stupid. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. My foot fell asleep. As I sat in the classroom, chin cupped in hand, the voice of my teacher lifted me to dreamland. For though facts and figures were drummed in my ear, my mind kept on wandering and none did I hear. And while I imagined myself strolling a beach, the roar of the ocean kept teacher's voice out of reach. And I sat, as I sat motionless and let out a snore, I swam through the waves and tread back to the shore. Who could imagine as I explored oceans deep that here in the classroom my foot fell asleep? As I scoobied, <laughs> as I scooped past beautiful coral and fish, to be there and not here was my one yearning wish. A sea creature neared and I let out a yelp as my foot got entangled in seaweed and kelp. It was wearing eyeglasses. I thought, that's an odd feature. Then my blurred vision cleared. That's no creature, that's teacher. Come up to the front of the class, she commanded. "Uh Uh-oh, I thought. Now I'll be reprimanded. My tingling foot, now numb, made me stumble. It felt like a brick and caused me to tumble. But the pain that was worse was the laughter and jeers as I pulled myself up to face all of my peers. And teacher said, now you have earned yourself trouble tomorrow your homework assignment is double. And that's my poem.
0: I love it. As a former teacher, I think I've had you in my class. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, you, Doris, you are really very interesting. You've told me you're not a writer, and yet mm-hmm. you've written a book. You've told me you're not an artist, and yet you've mm-hmm. illustrated a book. You've told me you're not a poet, and yet you have an award-winning poet. <laughs> I have news for you. You are a writer, an illustrator, oh. and a poet. Ah, oh, thank you, Suzanne. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> now let me tell our listeners where they can find Hugo. Now the full title of the book is Hugo, the lovable, huggable, h-u-g-g-a-b-l-e, huggable orangutan, o-r-a-n-g-u-t-a-n. All you have to do is go to Amazon. Put the title in the search feature, and here's Doris's last name, and let me spell all of this for you. By Doris, D-O-R-I-S, McKenzie, capital M, small c, capital K-E-N-Z-I-E. Click on it. It comes right up. There's Hugo. And in the upper right-hand corner of that representation of the cover of the book, You'll see the two words, look inside. If you click on those two words, magic happens. The book opens electronically, and you can read an excerpt from Hugo. Now, you can also get it where there are some other spots. If people don't want to buy from Amazon, and sometimes they don't because it's such a giant in the marketplace, so they like to give other people business i know it's available some other places doris tell me where
1: yes BarnesNoble.com also and also surprisingly walmart.com sells it and life rich publishing which published my story they have it there too this is just so much fun and
0: you know your message is complex It's a lovely message using a wonderful animal and a wonderful situation and the fact that he's a hugger. And I think we're all really quite hungry to be able to hug other people and even shake their hands. We don't touch one another right now because we're so afraid of each other. I Mm. think a book like Hugo that talks about him taking people into his wonderful healing embrace because that's exactly what it is is Mm -hmm. so needed right now and i think that kids especially need to hear some positive messaging and i'm wondering this is a wonderful children's book when our listeners become readers and they pick up a copy of Hugo, either as a gift for a child or take it home to a group of children or you're a grandparent and you read stories or you're a parent and every night you read a bedtime story. If, when they pick up a copy of Hugo and they either share it with someone or they read it to someone and they go through the story and they close the back cover for the very first time and perhaps the very last time that night. Do you want them to just have read a really wonderful story about a wonderful animal called an orangutan who's named Hugo? Or is there some other message that you want them to take away? And I know you've talked about love.
1: Yes. Yes, that is my message, Suzanne. It's that Love is the strongest bond there is. And, uh, you know, everybody needs love. Everybody wants to be loved And, uh, you know, I I just think that that is the most important thing. There's nothing more important than that. So I want them to feel uh, comforted. I want them to feel that they are loved, of course, I'm sure by their family, their parents. But um, I want them to take away that my Hugo loves them, too. And uh, that's the message of my story.
0: I like that. And I like to imagine parents reading to their children, with their children sitting next to them, looking at the book and looking at the pictures. And I I just think that makes me feel like that sort of creates a bond and an image and a memory that a child I don't think would ever, ever forget. So I think that's one of the reasons that I hold children's book writers in such high esteem, is that you create memories for children that last with them their whole life long. So mm-hmm. thank you, Doris, for creating that kind of memory. You're welcome. Now, I think you have a
1: request that you would like to make of our listeners. I do, I do. I I want to tell my, our listeners that um, my husband has stage 4 prostate cancer. He's in a lot of pain in his legs and hips. He's a wonderful man. His name is Peter. And I believe firmly in the power of prayer. And I ask that anybody, I humbly ask anybody who's listening to please say a prayer for him and if they would even keep him in their prayers, because I really believe that prayer, uh, you know, prayer heals, God, God can heal anything through prayer. I believe that firmly. And um, and I just hope that, uh, you know, I hope that i just my, I just want to say that i want i would, oh, i don 't know how to put this i 'm stumbling over my words it's all right. but anyway um he 's a wonderful man my husband 's a wonderful man, and he is not only always willing to help others but he actively seeks out ways to help others he 's also a funny man he 's a you know very gregarious, and um you know I just love him so much, and i just uh, i 'm asking for prayers
0: I think that 's a wonderful request. Your whole theme for while we've been talking is about love, and you've just expressed love for your husband, and you want hope for your husband, and I think that that's part of what prayer brings us, is some comfort and some hope. Doris, it's just been such a pleasure, and I can't wait for us to talk about the next book that you publish. (laughs) Thanks so much for being my guest today on Books on Air.
1: Thank you, Suzanne.
0: I appreciate it. Now remember, you can find Hugo the Lovable, Huggable Orangutan by Doris McKenzie on Amazon. All the proceeds will be donated to the blind and the deaf. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I so hope that you'll join me for our next book on air podcast, because remember, you never know who's going to be here and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so very much for listening.